Hey, this is Jason Karn. I'm on Dumb Naked and Broke Podcast, talking with Manuel Wisdom. I'm naked and broke. Welcome back. I'm your host, Emmanuel Wisdom. Today I have a special guest um, in the studio. Drove all the way down to Philly. A 90-minute drive. He's a lettering artist and a graphic designer, Jason Karn. Thanks for having me on, man. How you doing, Jason? Welcome to the show. Doing good, doing good. Appreciate Great. Appreciate you having me over. Great, I'm glad. <laughs> now I could get my uh, TV voice <laughs> off. <laughs> Um, but, uh, dude, we was chatting, you know, um, actually Rose was late, so we was chatting a lot longer. <laughs> um, but, um, we was chatting about like NFTs and like artists, um, paying attention to social media and, and kind of, I feel like some of that kind of gets into like ownership and like value of like artist rights and all of that. But before we jump into all of that, you know, we're going to ease into things. Um, how was your drive out to Philly? <laughs> it was good today. It was today? Be- it was it was better than uh, about a week and a half ago. Mm. I was supposed to fly out to a music fest. Got on the plane. Flight got grounded. Canceled. No other flights out. So. Uh, I was back with the weather. Mm-hmm. I remember that. Couldn't go to the show. Couldn't take another flight out anywhere <laughs> else. So had to go home. So last trip to Philly wasn't too good. This one's a little bit better. You just came out here and then went back home. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Uh, once in a while, I'll go to like a couple record stores around town. Go to like Repo Records and a couple mm. other spots. So, do you really own a thousand records? <laughs> like three thousand plus, yeah. Mm. <laughs> it's a lot. Wow, how'd that start? Um, when I was younger, I would just collect CDs. Like a lot of places would just have them for like a buck or two because just was like a cheaper format, I guess, at the time. Like all used CDs, I could get it like any local shop. Mm. And uh, after a while, I kind of wanted to see, like, the, the full artwork, like, gatefolds with, like, all the inserts and the posters. And and like we were talking about before we came on here, it's, like, a more intentional experience. Like, you sit down, you put the needle on, like, you're paying attention to what you're doing. Right. Where it's, like, not just background noise anymore. Mm. And uh, I don't know, it's kind of, like, opened me up to a lot of different styles of music <clears throat> and stuff, too. When I was younger, it was all, like, punk and hardcore and metal and which is, like, real, like, aggressive stuff. And, like, now I've got, like, pretty much any genre you can imagine. Like, mm. like I got tons of, like, like soul, jazz. I've got a lot of, like, alternative rock stuff. Like, I have more hip-hop than anything in my collection, probably. I have, like, <laughs> 700 hip-hop records. Wow. Wow. All right, let's talk about some of, you, like, your favorites from those genres. Like, I don't know, like, personal favorites. Or it could be ones that are your go-to in terms of work. I'd say, like, if we're going, like, off hip-hop, because that's, like, my biggest part of my collection. Like, my biggest, most collected artist is MF Doom. Mm. I've got mm. probably 20 Rest different in peace albums. to the legend. Yep. Yeah, that was crazy, too. Like, yeah. He died on Halloween last year. It's almost a year ago already. And you didn't, we didn't even find out till New Year's. Yeah. So yeah, it's it crazy. Kept it quiet for months. Yeah. It's crazy because I feel like MF Doom death is kind of similar to the likes of, like, he's such a legend. It's similar to, like, like David Bowie, you know, passing, I think, like, right before his birthday or, yeah, the, yeah. you know, some like, it's very, like, like how you go out, kind of going out in style almost. 
It almost fit into like his character, exactly. Like his mystery and exactly. That's what I'm trying to get to. Yeah. Um, yeah, but he had so many different projects, you know, like the the Victor Vaughn stuff, mm. the Mad Villain stuff, like the King Ghidorah. Like, the dude was just super creative. One of the best MCs ever. Um, and then like I, I've been trying to get like all the Wu Tang solo albums, <laughs> but there's like 40 of them, so it's like real spread out all over. Um, but like a lot of the other like biggest part of my collection is probably like hardcore and punk stuff. So I have a lot of stuff from like older bands, like the cramps, the dead Kennedys and bad religion. And mm. so those are like my, go- like two go-tos for the most part. Wow. So um, with the records, do you, um, do you like uh, say if you're approaching a project, do you like set up like me, like you were saying, like the putting yourself kind of not in the mood, but like, just like the whole feel of, you know, intentionally, Playing the music from start to finish, or an album, or just yeah, like sure. the record. Like, do you like projects? You get in the right mindset with the right music and things like that. Hmm. Um, like if I'm working, for yeah, like walk artist. me through that, like that ideal project that would include that setup. Well, I had this project over the summer, which is like most perfect project I can imagine for myself. There was, uh, you know, who Riot Games is? They made like League of Legends, like big computer game kind of. Thing. I know the games. I don't know the yeah like i never actually like played the game so i didn't realize like how big it was but they got a hundred million players in that game which is just wow crazy it's like a whole social media network itself yeah. in that game but they have bands in the game so they had this metal band that they like made 3d characters out of and everything and they wow. had me do the logo like concepts for album art all sorts of advertisement pieces and things like that so obviously like it was just nice to be able to listen to like a bunch of like metal to get in the mood for what I'm doing. You know, like it's like yeah. a rare opportunity like a lot of what i do is like old-timey victorian mm. lettering so i don't really like get in that headspace a lot with like yeah. the heavy music but with this one it was perfect mm. yeah i can only imagine like do you do you like have that edition of the game where you said it was this summer so probably it's too too early um well they just dropped the album it's actually like a full album like they have people from like other big metal bands like all contributed like the vocalist from you know this band or guitarist from this band all mm. came to like record it remember that show metalocalypse on adult swim mm. yeah i'm i'm when it comes to tv i'm very i watch limited amount of tv but i i get some shows references again but yeah it's just yeah. like cartoon metal show like basically mm. and they had like all like real musicians from like big heavy metal bands come and play the parts like in the studio and that's what this band did too they're called pentakill and uh, so we got to hear their album like in advance beforehand and everything. So with that project in particular, like I was listening to a lot of their stuff over and over just to make sure it felt like exactly right for that project. Wow. Wow. And also like with most of the like the design process, I feel like a lot of like the clients don't necessarily know about the process, but like I feel like a lot of that research slash client discovery phase um, it's not only is it needed, but like it's so like integral to the 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 overall finished product that like for me I see about like it makes up about thirty to I would say thirty to fifty percent of you know the work for me because once I sit down and start to work that's just kind of like printing out what's already up here mm-hmm. in the head. But um, is that is that how you approach the yeah. work as well? Yeah, for sure. And, and like with this project, um, 
I'm thinking I might have saved them like a big lawsuit even with the search <laughs> and discovery part. Interesting. Like How a lot so? of the people behind the project, they weren't people who were like into heavy music. Like they didn't know much about like metal or punk or anything like that. But there is this big metal band called Pentagram and they were called Pentakill. Mm. And the logo that they wanted to go with was like almost exactly the same. Wow. Like this band, like to metal people, it's like same level as like Black Sabbath or Iron mm. Maiden. Like everybody in the genre knows it. Wow. So if you're going to like rip them off, everybody's <laughs> going to call you out about it. And they're probably going to sue you too. For yeah. It. And and also I feel like uh, as, as like designers, the more you expose yourself to what's outside of industry, the more you could educate your clients because um, like if you're looking at work, they're there they could be like different genres of work in terms of design so like your clients are coming from you know different areas um but like your exposure helped you know kind of resolved what would have been a problem but also that's also something that could also come back to hunt you as well as a designer um in terms of you know being ignorant to but that's you know you would know that i wouldn't know that because yeah again it's you know but um, there have, have been scenarios like that, too, to where, like, I would design something and think it's, like, an original, unique mm. idea and put it out there. And then somebody's like, yeah, that looks exactly like this yeah. or something. And that happened, like, more on early in my career before I, like, knew how to look up stuff and knew exactly, like, how to research my projects and things like that. Yeah. Or even, like, the competitors for your clients. Yeah. Like, if you got somebody who only has, like, two or three competitors in the area and you do, like, the same type of design as, like, their main competitor, like, that's not really helping them. That's no. just making them look like they're... Yeah. The competition. Yeah. Clients always try to like get, um, like trying, like either like take parts from their client, like competition logos or branding instead of focusing on their own, like, you know, narrative to help that visual. And I always try to like stare away, um, clients if I do work with them in the branding and identity aspect, stare them away from that kind of quote unquote plagiarism. Um, because, you know, that's kind of what it is, kind of glorified mm -hmm. um, <laughs> plagiarism. Um, yeah, I try to steer them away from that. Like, <laughs> one big distillery client. Yeah, as you should. And uh, they have everything like, you know, gin, vodka, bourbon, whiskey, all, all that. And every time they hit us up, they're like, can you do something more like Tito's vodka? And I'm like, Yo, stop trying to like, they're top dogs in the game now. Like, you don't need to be imitating them. Do your own thing and like stay in your own lane. But they... they I think they see the success behind it and they figure if they yeah. copy that, they're going to get a little bit of that too. Yeah. Um, I mean, that, that works for some people. Um, but like you said, um, sometimes lawsuits and other things follow, but even with like clothing out here, people, you know, rip off brands and things. And um, there are, there's always a, a market below the market, <laughs> yeah. you know? Um, but you were speaking earlier about your uh, like, I guess, love for, like, vintage um, materials, like lettering and stuff like that. Um, do you have any, like, uh, favorite, like, go-to, like, vintage design or lettering books? Yeah, I got a lot of them. That, that's actually, like, a, a side business I ran for a few years. It was called Lettering Library. Mm. And uh, I have, like, 150 books that are, like, pre-1930. So they're all in wow. the Creative Commons. It's all, like, public domain stuff. So wow. I made PDFs of like a hundred different books wow. that I used to sell online for like two to four dollars a pop on these PDFs, and uh, 
like there's just so much great material in them. There's like stuff that's just straight up alphabets. There's some that are just every possible monogram combination, like even how to like hold your pen or your brush mm. for like sign painting stuff. Yeah. So like a few of my favorites are this, uh, these old German books, they're called the Schriften Atlas and they put out a different one, like every 10 years. So there's like a Victorian one. There's like an art nouveau one. There's an art deco one. And there's like 300 pages in each of these just full wow. of alphabets and like real elaborate initial letters and monograms and things like that. What would you say it was called? The Schriften Atlas. Schriften Atlas. Yeah, it's basically mm. like, a, I think Schriften in German is like writing or something. Mm. So it's it's like gotcha. every letter style of that period that was like popular at the time. That's pretty cool. Because like, I, I think like people forget that like, like the whole like uh, image rights or whatever. I think they were like fifty years or so. Uh, oh. It's actually like seventy five now. Like they upped it. Mm. Why? So Got to go. I don't know. Like everybody who wrote that's like long dead. Like you know all the publishing rights. Well, like uh, we 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 too. already know who who the quote unquote owners are. We we know them. That, that's <laughs> that's why. <laughs> you know we we know them. I I feel like a lot of people speaking of ownership. I've been we're not in this industry, but put it out there. Um, a lot of people have been really vocal about like uh, the ownership and, and and even like naming rights and, and image likeness and all of that in rap music. Um, because I feel like the art form of rap was was there, but like the foundation was never set up. So the people who set up the foundation were not, you know, the artists. So now yeah. that, you know, circle is coming back and it's like, wait, you know, we didn't sign up for this. But a lot of people have been vocal about that. Which I feel like has been um, kind of eye opening in a way because music musicians are so glorified that like even if you are trying to be a musician, it's like to get there, it's like kind of like the image or whatever the goal is that person. It seems so unattainable. So I feel like talking about these real things, even though if you're a musician or or a designer or whatever, just like the creative process of saying, you know, these are the actual, you know, legal struggles of or how an artist is supposed to be or how an artist is being exploited or um, even just like the ramification of the legality of, you know, the contracts you're signing and things like that. I feel like the more people are vocal about it, like we're talking about music, um, using music to inspire the work, the more you be more conscious about the work that you're doing. Um, because you're hearing things like that um, in music. Yeah, and the people that are, like, the rightful owners, a lot of the times they're not really getting their due. Like, one of the, the big things in music was, like, De La Soul versus Tommy Boy over the last few years. Like, mm. their whole catalog is owned by Tommy Boy. They took, like, 90% and gave De La, like, 10 and mm. like they've been fighting him for like 20 years to try to get all their shit back and they're finally like starting to make it happen but you could see how they're like making a buck off of them they were like selling the publishing rights and everything to all these other companies to like repress records and sell right. merch and they're not seeing any of it right and like right. i'm seeing it now like uh in my feed all the time i'm seeing stuff for Aaliyah, and apparently like her whole family like does not mm. support like all this stuff that's being like put back out there because they're not seeing any of it wow uh, how how does that like in terms of what's happening in that industry? How does that translate to the design industry? Like, well, like if you go back and you look at like some of these like real famous vintage designs that like people are parodying all the time, like like Disney and Star Wars and stuff like that, like and you bring it into the modern day, like 
you can you can parody stuff and you can like put your own spin on it and everything, but if you're basing your whole foundation of your art or your career off mm-hmm. of something that's already been made by somebody else, it, it just feels like not quite right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, like it's not your full like original idea, I guess. Yeah. How, how do you feel about like um, artists who redesign like the Mickey or maybe Minnie or both of them, just, you know, in different forms? I think if you do it in a unique enough way, it's cool. But like a lot of the time, it just feels derivative. And like you're mm. just trying to like piggyback off something that's super huge and successful instead of making your own like new characters and things like that. Mm. Do like, you have- there's one thing that's like, you know, if you're doing like a homage piece or something like to, you know, show your respect for something. That's right, cool. right, right. But like if you're just doing it because you think it's going to be like a quick buck. I don't know. I feel a little different that way. Yeah. Um, like you see it a lot, like after the artists die, like I'm talking yeah. about like MF Doom, like yeah, how definitely. many like shirts and things did you see come out like right after he died yeah. that people were just trying to right. profit on? I mean, speak, speaking of that, actually, um, Eric and I, uh, um, when when you know when we when the public I guess heard about the passing, um, we I hit him up or he had hit me up and we were talking about doing a collab. But I was telling him the time sensitive is too, like you know, sensitive to when he passed. That I was like, I don't feel comfortable putting out the design, you know, even though if I do end up selling it or putting that up for sale on merch or whatever, I don't feel comfortable with the, you know, yeah. time sensitivity around, you know, when the news happened and, you know, yeah, like how cool everyone's tribute, reacting. For sure. Yeah. And yeah. even, even like he has worked on his part, the illustration is already done, completed. He sent it to me and I have, um, I have done some research on some, you know, like we were talking about client discovery and all of that on like quotes and things that I want to pair with the illustration, but I haven't put it out yet. Um, mainly because of, you know, I wanted to feel like, I, I feel like if I put it out on say, the anniversary of his death, that's, you know, that's okay in the lane of paying homage. Mm-hmm. But, you know, like I want to feel organic, not like, oh, I just put this out because, you know, everyone's reacting and everyone reaction needs, I guess, validation or whatever. But I feel like a lot of artists and, and designer kind of exploit that. I watched that happen with um, Kobe Bryant, uh, Nipsey Hussle, yep, and yeah. a lot of artists. Um, and I'm gonna just say it because you know why not? This is my show. A lot of white artists um, was painting the likes of Nipsey Hussle and like Kobe it makes sense. Kobe's a universal dude. I'm not. I'm not. You know, hating on anyone. Just like in terms of time sensitivity, um, time sensitivity again and. When you go back to see how you know Nipsey passed and what happened and how it was broadcast, to see people putting out art, it's like because I feel like I, the black community had a different reaction, the American community or white America had a different reaction. But as a as a people, we all had the same reaction that you know that was a human being. Yeah. And you know, regardless of what the situation was, that's you know that's a no no. Um, so just like watching that and then and then going on on Instagram and and you know people actually you know felt hurt so they it was posting and, and doing some things and I remember the, the one thing I posted I posted a picture of him um, on my story and I don't remember what quote was a, but I said something personal that relates to me but that was about it but you know and then you know for the next few months it was all you know Nipsey stuff and whatnots but similar to what we were talking about. 
it's kind of, you know, that fine line between what these kind of owners do with these artists um, when they're alive and, you know, um, under contract, quote unquote. Not not that, you know, Nip had a similar story, but just um, in terms of the whatever label you assigned to controlling and and when something happened, you know, using that incident as an instigator to explore more of the likeness and um, so even seeing, but you know, going back to the Nip story, seeing designers do that, it's kind of heartbroken. Um, and you know, a lot of stuff you could tell if it's not organic, um, and you could tell, you know, people were just doing it because they're doing it. Um, but yeah, it, yeah, you see a lot of that. It's like people who were like just overnight fans that weren't ever about it before that. <laughs> they just wanted like, like okay, this is like a moment to kind of like jump into the conversation or something. Like they want to be like part of something, I guess that. They yeah. Were. I don't know. Yeah. Um. But you know, um. I guess part of this is why you know the show is around to kind of educate, um. Whoever's listening to it, Rose is always telling me to tell you guys to like. Subscribe. Yeah, like and subscribe. Also follow, but share, comment, all yeah, that stuff. All that stuff. <laughs> Hit me up directly. <laughs> uh dumb naked and broke. Welcome back. I got uh Jason Carney in the studio. Uh what's your favorite color, Jason? Orange. Why orange? No way. Yeah, it's your favorite color. That's you too. Damn, I, I should have known that because you're my son. Damn, I feel like <laughs> an awful parent. <laughs> nah, whoever is watching this, he's not really. That's not really my son behind the camera. <laughs> you had him real young. <laughs> yeah, when I was two. <laughs> it don't matter. It don't matter. It don't matter. <laughs> You know the was uh, uh we just call it the Brothers in Paris, um uh, Jay Z Kanye song with the Will Ferrell John. It's like it don't make sense, but I guess the people going. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! But anyway, back to orange. Like why? Why is that your go to or your favorite? I don't know. I don't really have a good reason for why. I guess I was just always drawn to it. But mm, as like a a human growing up, you're like this is mine. Yeah, I think I just like this, like, bright, intense, vivid, like, just, like, one of those, like, real in-your-face colors. Mm, that's interesting. Yeah. Um, it's also in your branding, so I guess you have a yeah legit reason as to why. Yeah, so, yeah. In terms of, like, the design, because, like, with colors and design, you know, they mean stuff. So, like, why are you using it in... Yeah, I think it's just because it's, like... in like... terms of branding. Like, speak, oh, speak, yeah, yeah. speak to speak to it in, in, like, branding language. Yeah, it's just something that I feel like like black and orange is just like mm. always a combo that's just like 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 a surefire hit every time almost. Yeah. It's like it does. Yeah, it's it's, it's perfect. Yeah. It's it's like one of those combos that like no matter what it's on it looks pretty good. Like I've always really loved like the like purple and gold too, like the Lakers kind of colorway, yeah. like that's just a real nice combo too. Such a yeah, that was I feel like I remember, like, you know, when I was younger, high school days, like, damn, I still don't like the Lakers, but I'm a LeBron supporter. <laughs> um, but, like, just, like, I remember, like, thinking about it and be like, damn, the uniform's so fly. But, you know, I got to hate them. 
Um, but yeah, the, the purple and gold is just it just speaks royalty, honestly. Yep. Um, exactly. and you know, and that, that's what they do. <laughs> so, yeah. like um, growing up in Jersey was tough being a Nets fan. <laughs> can imagine good, a lot of beds. Uh, Jersey don't got no sports no more, right? No, no. That's that's crazy how like, in technically the sports is still in Jersey. Yeah, there's, I mean like there's the Jets different and Giants names. play in Jersey. Exactly. New York Jets and New York Giants. <laughs> they, yeah. That's so weird. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, same with like Philly Union soccer. I think they're playing like Chester or some somewhere. That's yeah, not in Philly. Mm. Yeah, it's kind of odd to yeah. have a home game. And it's like right. Philly, trust me. We know Philly. We from Philly. That's not Philly. <laughs> um, but uh, what what emoji represents you today and why? What emoji? Yeah, I know you wasn't thinking about that, so that's why I had to. <laughs> you know what I mean? Same like an emoji dude. You an emoji dude? Not really. It's a, it's a great <laughs> question then. <laughs> oh, man. I don't know. He's like, thumbs I'm, I'm- up. <laughs> Yeah, let's just let's just hit it with the flame. I like the flame emoji. Yeah, that's fire. Yeah, yeah literally orange. <laughs> yeah, yeah, good. Onto that again. Yeah. Stick stick to what you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, honestly, I think my go to is I, I don't even know what this is. Is this like you telling people to stop, or are you telling me it's perfect? I don't know, but I just oh, I just throw it out the there. Hands up. Yeah, yeah, I throw it out there at people, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I do the I do the calling or. Or I do the the 100 and the fire and then the stars, a bunch of stars. Um, those are like my go-to emojis. But that's that's interesting. I don't, I, don't, I think the only probably the stars rep, I would say is representative of me because that's what I'm thinking about 24/7. But um, getting back to the meat of what we were talking about. Uh, but before we get back to it, I kind of I kind of have one question. Um, do do you miss kindergarten? Kindergarten. No, not really. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? Well, when I was little, I was uh, I was kind of violent. Mm. Let's which, talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now I feel like I'm in therapy or something. So but, that, um, that makes sense. The lunchbox imprints on those kids' faces. <laughs> <laughs> But I was just a wild kid. I'm not really sure why, but like I would bounce around from school to school. I got kicked out of like six schools before like grammar school. Like first grade, yeah, like fighting kids in kindergarten, like hitting yeah. teachers and stuff. Like, like for some reason, I was just like a wild kid when I was wow. starting out. That's so. Neat. So, like after grammar school, I kind of like chilled out and, like you know, what what do you think did it for you? Um, you think it was society or like art? I'm not really sure. Like, like I never really sat and like, like thought about why. Mm. I guess, but like my mom was a single mother growing up. Um, so like my father shout out to the single moms out there. Yep. Getting it done. Yeah. Like my stepfather came along around like eight years old. So like from then on, you know, he he took good care of me and everything, but you Mm. know, for those years growing up, formative years, I guess it might've just been some sort of like acting out, you know, (laughs) weird family dynamic kind of thing. Um, yeah, I think that's, you know, kind of relatable on different levels with people life, but like with art, I remember I kind of have a similar you know sorry like just for me it's just been like i'm, I'm gonna do what i'm gonna do um but now as an adult it's more like you know with the consciousness attached to it where it's like okay you you know like your your space is only this big um but um but i remember just you know being all crazy and then art came along and, and kind of stabilized things a little bit 
And I'm, I'm wondering with art, what, like, what time did you really, where was it something that was always there when you was a kid or did it come along, like you were saying, like post grammar or midway in grammar school? Yeah, actually, that's that's kind of a good point, because that's like the one thing that really kind of like chilled me out and soothed me when I was a kid was like I would just sit there and draw for hours mm. and space out and like just be in my own head about it. And I remember coming home after school, like I really would watch Bob Ross like every day. <laughs> and that was that was my show. Like as a kid, like I would just watch that dude paint all day long. I, I put my mom onto Bob Ross, right? Like over the weekend when I was visiting and she was like, why is he painting these trees? <laughs> I was like, that's the goat. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I started like watching some of his stuff again on YouTube and that dude is fast. Yeah. Like, like, yeah she, at the end, she was like, I, I should start painting or something. He makes that look. Yeah. Really I, I was like, you're, you're not gonna. Yeah, everybody's like, I can do that. <laughs> like, he, made, yeah. he makes it look like anybody can do it. It's hard. Dumb naked and broke. Welcome back. Uh, what was the worst uh, job you ever had, Jason? There's a few. A few. Pro- probably the worst one, though, is uh, my father used to work for the city of Roselle in New Jersey, and he would go in and clean up foreclosed properties, mm. and people would just wreck those places. Like, And I don't blame him because the bank's taking their house and everything and all that. Oh, they would destroy it on purpose. Yeah. Yeah, they would, they would, like, fill, like, cement in the toilets and everything to, like, bust all the plumbing up. Or Damn. they would just, like, leave nasty shit everywhere. Damn. We found some crazy shit in there. We found, like, this big bloody shower curtain that was in the backyard. We found human finger bones. We found bullet casings all over, like, needles all over the properties. And, like, it was, like, nasty stuff. So when I sit behind a computer now and I'm designing this stuff, I think it could always be way worse than whatever <laughs> the worst client I ever had was. Like I, I could be going back to that. Like, yeah, that that was way up there. Uh, oh, telemarketing man. sucked real bad. You got told to like just go kill yourself or die every day, like two hundred times a day. You're calling people out of nowhere. I know, I know. <laughs> they have the same reaction. You I know, have. I know. I was like, I get it. I was like, I hate being here too. I don't want to be here, but. <laughs> at the time, oh, I was man. working at Circuit City selling computers, making like. $180 a week. And Oof. when I went to work telemarketing, I was making like 500 a week. Ooh. So it paid way better, but crippling. Yeah. <laughs> like mentally. <laughs> uh, do, do you speak more than one language? No. no. I took a couple years of Spanish. I barely remember it, though, to be honest. I think that's how a lot of foreign languages go. With a I lot tried of... that Duolingo app like yeah. around Christmas, and I stuck with it for like three months. I got like most of it back, and then I just kind of like fell off again when I got real busy. Mm. But That's um, really it. we were talking earlier NFTs. Um, I feel like a lot of listeners and myself included aren't really informed. With do you do you even know what those letters stand for? Non fungible token, but that makes uh, no sense to me. <laughs> I have no idea what that fungible. Those... What is fungible? I have no idea. That was the first right. time I ever heard the word, to be honest. When that's that's just perfect. It. That's just perfect. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's. Uh, but I guess if you're going to invent something new, invent a new word with it, right? Why not? Yeah. Uh, I don't uh, know. Or, if it is, or that's account, the first time I ever yeah. heard it. Yeah. Um, but so what? What? What is NFTs? Basically, and why? Why yeah. is it so important to the art, art word or design? Well, NFTs world. are basically like a digital piece of art that mm. you can mint 
um, which means like you can make like a certain quantity of them, like whether you want it to be one or a thousand, like you can sell these items as like digital pieces of artwork to people the same way you'd sell like a poster, but it's not a physical object. Wow. So people are basically buying the data behind it. Mm. I don't, I don't personally see like the, what you get out of owning like a digital image, you know, but I guess it's something to where like people think it's an investment and they could resell it down the road or maybe they can convert it into a product they can make physical pieces from. Like maybe somebody can buy the ownership of that NFT and then make t-shirts or posters or, you know, something out of it. Yeah. Um, have you, have you worked on any? I'm working on a project right now for them. They have me creating um, 120 different assets that will then be randomized into 9,000 different NFTs. So, like, they'll change out, like, the border or the type or the background for all these things through a computer algorithm, and it'll make each one look unique. Mm. So it's, it's something that's, like, still kind of tough for me to even wrap my head around, but at least there's somebody on the developer side who yeah. knows what they're doing <laughs> on that. You know, like, I, I at least just have to handle the design. Yeah. Um, but it, it's tricky. It's like a whole new market, and it seems like a lot of people are making some pretty good money off of it. Like, I don't know if you followed that guy Beeple on Instagram. Beeple? It's yeah. uh, B-E-E-P-L-E. And uh, he's been doing these things called mm-hmm. Everydays for, like, 10 years straight. He hasn't missed a day of artwork. Wow. Yeah, and, yeah. Yo, share, yeah. share his IG with me, bro. Yeah, and he sold wow. all 10 years' worth as an NFT, and he made something like millions of dollars off of this one digital image. Wow. Like, that, enough that's to a retire collection. off of. Yeah. yeah. I mean, but, you know, but then again, you got to think about it. That's something he started without the knowledge oh, yeah. of NFTs. No, no one even knows it's going to come around, so... You know, um, I feel like in terms of planting seeds and and having them developed, and even with me now, like work I've done three, four years ago, clients hit me up about it. It's like, oh, I I like this style or I like how this, you know, how you work with this project. And for me, internally, I already have that locked down, so I'm just dusting that off the shelf. And, you know, like, you know, like like that mural was talking about, you know, like, you know, stuff like that, though. It's like, I think of it as, you know, he already did the work for whatever, you oh, know, yeah. years, ended years, up yeah. coming to him mm-hmm. um, in the end. But um, and so going back to like the process of, you know, what you're doing now. So you're just doing what you would normally do as a creative, creating an image. Yep. Sending it out to, is it like a third party or the the, the second half of the team? Yeah, I think the client has somebody like internally that they gotcha. have on their team that is going to run this algorithm that combines all these pieces got it got it oh so there's the the separate pieces are going to be the one image yeah exactly can't wait to see it um but speaking about clients um what are some of like your clients you work with like some like some heavy hitters a few of the bigger ones i've done stuff for like i did a like six or seven t-shirt designs for harley davidson Mm. um I did a big uh, festival logo design for Disney. They had something called the Season of Light out in Disneyland in California. It's this big light show, and I got to do all the branding and logo type for it. Um, I've done shirts for Wu-Tang. I've done shirts for uh, Def Leppard. Um, Lady Gaga had me do some stuff one time. Uh, I've done stuff for American Eagle. 
uh, Time Magazine. So there's been a lot wow. of like fairly big names have come through the studio. Mm. That's some just some names uh, for sure. So in terms of like these projects, like where did were you going after them or where they're coming to you? Actually, I do like little to no advertising. Like most mm. of the stuff is like word of mouth or j- just coming to me through finding my site or social. Um, and some of them have actually just been like connections I've made at like design conferences. Right, right. I went to a conference a few years in a row called Creative South. That's down in Georgia. <laughs> I know about Creative South. Um, yeah, I was I, I was eyeing it up at the time, but I was in college, and I remember seeing all like the big names there, and I was like, that I, I'm trying to, yeah. Yeah, but, they got big names come through. Like, yeah, how, how was about, your experience? Uh, it's always good. It's. It's a little like heavy on the religious side for me. Like they kind of like on Sunday they do like a, a mass and everything, uh, like, which feels like a little weird for a design conference. Like yeah. it should be. Yeah, I feel like designers of. are all over the place. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So like it kind of like splinters off yeah. after the last day. But uh, the actual like content, like the people they have speaking, the vendors, the venue mm. itself, and like the town, it's cool. Yeah, like it's definitely a good vibe, and it's not real like stuffy super professional like people in suits and stuff like it's very like casual like you just hang out with people and have lunch and talk shop Mm. um but like one of the guys i met there ended up being an art director for harley and that's how i got the jobs to do those t-shirt designs for harley awesome awesome like i feel like two things i want to talk about next is like going out making those early connections um like you know conferences and things um but also in terms of building those relationships, like you were saying, where we live in an age of technology and and advertisement, basically, um, where if you don't have those two things, it's hard to quote unquote progress. How how are you, you know, gaining traction and slipping between the cracks, uh, so to speak, and and still getting work done with, you know, some of the best of the best, obviously. I think a lot of it comes down to like how you manage relationships. If you're good mm. to your clients and you do good work for them, they're going to tell people about it and they're going to refer their people to you. Mm. Like one of the best clients I ended up having was uh, the store in Kentucky when I was, I lived in Lexington for a couple of years and I worked at an ad agency there and uh, they had a place called House of Bourbon open up. And it was the only place in the country you can resell old vintage liquor, like hundred year old whiskey bottles, like still full and they're worth like crazy money. But anyway, they hired me to do uh, the logo, and it was a good experience, I guess, for them, and they were happy with it. <laughs> and they referred me on to uh, this distillery that was starting out in Wyoming, up in Saratoga, and I got to do their branding, all the wow. labels for their bottles, like all the packaging and the ads. And he's given me like five or six jobs since then, just mm. off the strength of that one job I did for him. Mm. So that one connection is branched out into right. 10 different ones. Right, similar to what I was speaking about with, you know, the, I forgot the guy named that made the millions of the NFTs. Oh, uh, people. Yeah, but, you know, yeah. planting that seed and, mm-hmm. and having it sprout into, you know, whatever amount of branches or whatever ended up. Yeah, you never you, know what's yeah, going to come of that. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so when, you, when you're working with, say, clients and you don't know the end result, whether, you know, the big client, small client, don't matter. For me, the approach is always the same. Yeah, um, exactly. So do you, uh, in terms of the work, you know, thinking I could do a really good job for these people, but at the same time, I could, you know, like over deliver and get that word of mouth um, down down the line. Is that, is that how you approach 
your your work yeah absolutely whether it's like a five hundred dollar project or it's a ten thousand dollar project i treat it the same way mm. like i want to make sure that they're satisfied that i'm doing the best work i can do because if i give them some subpar product that they're not happy with or they're not going to use or they're going to you know right talk behind my back and say he didn't do what he was supposed to do like that doesn't help me at all mm. so i'd rather spend a little extra time or whatever even if it's a project that doesn't make me more money like if i'm spending that extra effort it's going to come back and pay dividends in the future for me. Right, right. Um, or at least it'll reflect better on me than if oh, yeah, if I for just sure. try to if, like even, even in the moment, I think it, it does reflect better because as, a, as an artist, you get that satisf- uh, satisfaction of I actually went into this project with, you know, X, Y, and Z as, you know, quote-unquote bullet points, and you actually got those um, things done within that, you know, the time frame ended up start working towards the last end, but um, <laughs> that's whatever design people. But like, uh, you know, you 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 have you know intentions going into a project, and as an artist or designer, you you get to you know solve those problems or those puzzle pieces, whatever way you look at them. And there's a certain satisf- satisfaction that comes with saying, I you know I, I did the best I could with the timeline, budget, time frame for you know the client. Um, so, and then you have the other side of, you know, the appreciation from the client and then whoever else that sees, um, the project. Yeah, absolutely. Like I want to be proud of whatever I put out. Like, I don't want to half-ass something and just have it just not look right or like up to the same standards of my like better work. You know, I don't want people to ever feel like they're going to come to me and not know what they're going to get. Right. Um, so like for like people who are like listening, especially like young creatives, um, and, you know, some, like, older creatives as well, trying to, you know, really get to some of the big names you kind of dropped. Um, like, I feel like, you know, a lot of people would be like, oh, you know, like, looking at that and saying, like, let me aim for that. But there's, you know, there's steps to get in there. Um, I remember when I when I saw your work, I don't remember how long ago, but um, there was two things that really attracted me to it. It was um, the vintage slash, I guess, Victorian style, whatever. That mm-hmm. that like lettering style, so like cool, and that's something for me. I don't personally have a taste as like you know sit there and do it. I've I've messed messed with it in the past, but like it doesn't come out to reflect me. So like yeah, I've haven't like exploited that a lot, um, but I've already appreciated it. Um, just um, the one thing I appreciate about it is it has like a waviness, regardless of the design. Like a waviness, or a circle. It's like organic type stuff. That's why I appreciate. It. But then, um, yeah, I always want to make sure it has some sort of like flow. Feels natural. It yeah, feel like um, too stiff. Or... Yeah, also like I'm attracted to like florals and like just mm. how organic they are. So I feel like that and Victorian art kind of go together. But also with you, another thing that really kind of stood out to me was your presentation. Um, it was just clean, cut, and it's like you know. I guess as professional as you could get with it, and you know that's something that took me a while to figure out too. Because when I was starting out, like the lettering might have been like pretty good or whatever, but it wasn't presented in a way that was like showing it in the best light. So Mm. no matter how good the work is, if your presentation isn't good, like it's it's gonna really like knock it down a couple notches. Yeah, I tell people when we chat that presentation, it's like it's kind of like a. Like, you know, you, you work out for a game or whatever, practice for like a whole week. And then the night before, you just like, oh, I'm, I'm just going to sleep three hours and, and have this burger. You, you just setting yourself up for, you know, 
for a bad, you know, performance. So I feel like as like presentation, you you do all this work, mm-hmm. put it together, and in the last stage where Drop the you ball know to finish line. exactly yeah. where you're supposed to, you know, probably give one hundred and ten percent or two hundred percent. And to make sure that all of the effort that you put in that when people see it, they're like, oh, I, I can see the attention to detail. I feel like a lot of people kind of don't really focus so much on a presentation and, um, and and it hurts them a lot because does, yeah. um, that extra hour or two to like do that mock up or yeah. make it look tight and right. It's just you got to spend that little extra time to make it happen. Yeah, because it's, it's like an extension of the work. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, there's. And for me, it, it took me a while too, and I'm now just getting into it. But um, documenting the the full process of like you know sketch to taking that um, scribbles of lines and, and people telling, love seeing that. Yeah, and, and they showing, sometimes like even seeing that more than the final product. They like watching uh, how it's made. Yeah, because because that's what I'm getting to. Because most people get caught up, similar to what I was saying with you and the big names, that they're like, oh, how is that you know attainable? And mm-hmm. so most people who are actually trying to put in the work. Is attracted to the process of how to get there, and I've gotten a lot of good feedback on like seeing how things come together. Um, but I want to talk about like the importance of presentation after um, after the work is complete, because like presentation got me through a lot of doors as far as you know going from high school to college, from college to um, a couple like design um, studios and people. Just just the way the work was put together. Um, that just got me through a lot of doors before, even before, like, I even knew the people. They were like, we know your work. We know, we know your name. Yeah. And I was like, okay. <laughs> um, but that all came sign, like presentation wise. Cause I remember being intentional about even the mock-ups and, and even the colors. And cause for me, it was, it was like, I could defend this work when I'm here, but as far as me putting it out there, it's not really anything else. To say, oh, he did this because of X, Y, and Z. But I figure the way you put the work together and with like up close details and things like that, people get something from it. Um, but yeah. also get a insight on who you are as a creative and how much you value the process in totality. Yeah, and it's tough to like find your personal like niche that you want to fall into because like I really do enjoy the work that I do. And I, and I love the stuff in it, but at the same time, it doesn't feel like it's a hundred percent me all the time, which mm. is like something I'm always sort of struggling with a little bit. Like a lot of the stuff that I'm really drawn to, it's like, like the really heavy metal stuff, like death metal stuff and like graffiti art and stuff mm. that you wouldn't really see in my yeah. work. But what I do is also like what gets me exactly work as well. Exactly. So it's like, I can't stray from that too far and like right. ruin what i got already <laughs> that overlap you got you got to find that overlap yeah you kind of just got to find that sweet spot yeah of like what's going to actually like bring in the money and get the work and also is something that you still like enjoy doing and you could tell that you have passion for yeah um speak, speaking of that i told you about the mural job but like rose and i was supposed to connect last week <laughs> on some on some work stuff and i was like dude you know i'm on this paper chase but like this mural and but like we already had a timeline and but like what you were saying, um, there are certain things you got to do in order to provide either financial stability or, you know, just in terms of longevity to give you mm-hmm. the, the freedom to actually sit down and have the time to, to do the things that really matters. And because if you think about other stuff, then you might rush that. Um, so 
like how important is it in terms of like a like say like a I don't know if you're watching I'm not this is not a height thing it's just I heard I'm I'm gonna do this I heard someone say that black people use a lot of gesture when they're talking because the English language is not ours and so we're trying to express how we fully feel so if you're any other race person and you see a black person or anyone of African descent expressing themselves, you know, there's a reason to that. Now we are better off for it. Dumb naked and broke. Welcome back. Emmanuel Wisdom. I'm here today with Jason Karn, lettering artist, graphic designer from Sailorsburg, Pennsylvania. Sailorsburg, Pennsylvania. I feel like the only two places that exist in Pennsylvania is Philly and Harrisburg. <laughs> Pittsburgh don't count. <laughs> we, we give them, we give them that too. Uh, Harrisburg only because it's the capital. Yeah. And if you ask me, I live in Philly. I don't know why. I feel like we we got that. Give give that to us. This is about time. But we we know why it's historical. God preserve it. It's all. It's all. But you know, we we only hating. Um, but rightfully so, because you know Philly, I feel like carries a lot of weight for the entire state of Pennsylvania. So come on, it does. Um, but you know, glad you're in Philly. Welcome again. I don't know. Is it like second, third time? How often you come out here? I'd say like once every other month or so. Mm, so you're kind of familiar with the area. A bit, yeah. Like I used to come to a lot of like hardcore shows here. We'd go to the First Unitarian Church or like the Fillmore places like that. Mm. See some shows. Mm. Do you have any, like, uh, I don't know, like, festivals or something that you normally hit on a yearly in Philly? Uh, no, nah, like, I've never really done, like, those big multi-day festival kind of things. Mm. Like, what was, was the, one the American passed. one? What was that one? I was Made in America or whatever. Uh, I don't even know that one. I, I think it was supposed to be the last one that happened or something. I don't remember. They did Recently, right? Yeah. Um, that, that was what I was trying to get to. Um, yeah, they just had one that passed like two weeks ago. Uh, it was like a two-day thing that Decibel Magazine put on. It's called the Metal and Beer Festival. Mm. And just a lot of like heavy bands like Converge and Napalm Death and stuff like that were playing. But I didn't get to go to that one. It was all <laughs> sold out. So Yeah. Um, and so in terms of like younger creatives who are, you know, coming up or, you know, age group, it don't matter. Age range don't matter. But just in terms of when I say younger, I mean experience. Um, like what should it be like three or five things they should be focusing on, um, whether it's, you know, presentation or relationships or networking or like, you know, foundational things yeah, that, that could set them up. Definitely presentation and relationships like we already touched mm. on. But one yeah. of the biggest things is I would say like if, if you're having a hard time finding clients for this kind of stuff you want to do, mm. do that work on your own time and show that you can do it, prove that you can do it. Yeah. Because one of the things I really wanted to do was get into packaging and labeling because the way they print it is so nice. They do like the embossing and the gold foil and like all the die cutting. Like, a lot of different treatments. Yeah, it just looks great. But I had never actually done that for a client. So I didn't have any of that in my portfolio and I couldn't. It's one thing to say you can do it, but it's another thing to prove it. So um, I went ahead and did my own project and I paid to get it printed and I photographed mm. all the bottles and everything. And then once I started doing that, like that's been like... I would say wow. like two thirds of the work I've gotten ever since. Mm. Yeah, yeah, packaging stuff is always so always nice. Um, is that like a packaging? I'm not packaging, but like a passion of yours in terms of that 
particular design? Um, or is that, you know? It, it's, it's mostly just for, like, the aesthetic of it, um, like, the, like the look and the printing. Like, I'm not a guy who, like, drinks a lot. Like, I don't smoke cigars or anything, but I love the look of all those bottles and those right. boxes. It's more like the aesthetic and the feel, yeah, similar exactly. to the, the vinyl records and things. Yep. Um, yeah, that, that was, uh, it's, it's funny because, you know, we're talking about this, the, the need for, you know, physical touch, mm-hmm. but also talking about NFTs and, and kind of getting away from, from that. But who, who knows, you know? All we know is now, hopefully, they're just buying those to print them out. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Such a waste. <laughs> oh, man. Um, are you more productive at night or in the morning? It used to be at night, but now I'm going to say, like, as I'm getting older, I'm getting up earlier, and I'm, mm. I'm feeling a little bit better in the morning. I don't know what it is, but, like, at night, I just like to kind of, like, chill out and relax. Like, I watch like a movie almost every night with my wife, mm. listen to some records, just like smoke and chill out. But Yeah. Uh, it's kind of like the the work day mm-hmm. and then unwind. Because I feel like if you do that, once you have a routine, um, you know, probably listening to your body and all of that, how you feel, once you have a routine, it's easier to say, this is not for me or this is for me, especially with the productivity as far as when you're supposed to be most productive. Um, like, I, I try to, like, stay within the nine to five range because that's, mm-hmm. you know, majority of society is functional around them. Yep. But, like, it doesn't. The early mornings, like, i rather do, like, passion projects in the morning or none of the emails. Um, the most I do externally is probably post on Instagram. But, like, even when I do that, I don't, I'm not engaging. Like, yeah. it, it's, like, probably past noon and I'll come back and I'll answer your comments and things like that. So, like, I'm, like, kind of intentional about the mornings and things. Um, but in terms of, like, productivity, you just you just go from, like, a day-to-day or, like, a week-to-week or... Yeah, I mean, it's been a career-long thing trying to figure out, like, work-life balance because, like you said, like, you used to just go long yeah. hours. <laughs> it's not, like, there were days I would work until, like, midnight, you know, and I just wouldn't do anything else but work right. just to try to get it done or to try to get more money or whatever it had to be. But, but now like, I think it's, it's also that I've gotten faster and better at what I do. So mm. something that might've taken me 10 hours a couple of years ago now only takes me, you know, two or three hours. Yeah. And it helps me kind of balance that out a little bit better. Mm. But, but yeah, like most days are pretty similar. Like I try to answer email, like first thing in the morning, just to stay on top of my conversations. And then the rest of the day I'm trying to focus on work. Yeah. Um, one real big thing for me has been getting an artist rep. Uh, my best friend Shane Styles, he lives down in Florida. He's my artist rep, and he does mm. all my project management. So like all the business end of stuff, like the paperwork, the invoicing, the you know client calls, like right. that's the stuff that like takes me like out of my focus and out mm. of my zone, and like eats up a big chunk of the day. Mm. It's interesting that you brought that up because um, recently I was something I was looking into because I do most of the light work and stuff for you know everything that I do and it takes away from the creativity because mm-hmm. whenever I do call it like the business side of it right I have to have a couple days where you know I disconnect and, and get back to the artist and then um, I have like a week or so where I'm doing creative stuff but in terms of the like, not like pros and cons but like just being solo or or you know getting a rep an artist rep like what what is like beneficial to that 
because I feel like if you if, if if that's something you jump into early on, you're gonna miss the process of understanding what you do. Um, but at the same time, it could be beneficial because you could really thrive and hone in on your skill. Um, so we, we do you, we do you think about that? Yeah, it's definitely good to to know the business side of things for sure. Um, like I don't think anybody should kind of like jump over that and skip that part of it because then you might be getting kind of uh, taken advantage of on the back end if you don't understand the, the business ends of what happening. But uh, on the pro side of it, I think that like it freeing up all the time in your day to just focus on the creative and the fact that it sort of like legitimizes you more to the right. clients helps a lot. Because mm. if they kind of have to go through somebody to get to you, that they know that you're like the real deal, kind of. Mm. That's interesting. I've I've heard somewhere that uh, that will be right back. I'm <laughs> 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 licking it broke. Welcome back. Um, like I was saying, I remembered. I heard um, someone you were talking about the legitimizing the image of an artist. Um, I heard that uh, Jay-Z has about like 18 people that you got to go through before you talk to him. That's layers. Like, that, that's serious. Like that's, that's like intense. Yeah. I was like, I need that right now. Yeah. Only because I don't want to talk to nobody. <laughs> 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 but like I, I was thinking about that and I was like, that's so legit because by the time, you know, whatever information, like I, I don't need 18 people. I don't. But whatever information needs to get to you is going to be the meat of what needs to get to you. Because, you know, at the end of the day, everything comes down to time. You know, it's either you're using your time wisely or, or not wisely. And it doesn't matter the activity or what you're doing. It's, you know, is there someone else that could do the job a, a lot better and a lot more efficient than exactly, you? Exactly, yeah. And then if, if that's the case, then, you know, yeah, yeah, you like, should hand that over. The art and the lettering is what I'm good at. Yeah, business is what my partner's good at. Yeah, you know, so let him take over and negotiate better prices, better timelines, things like that that I wouldn't even really have the the capacity to do on my own. Mm. Like I could ask for more money, you know, but just being one person, like it's kind of tough to have that conversation. But when you have somebody else that's like negotiating on your behalf, right. like it makes it seem a little <laughs> bit more nice. serious. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah, um, but in terms of like uh, the, the the artists and and artist rep. We talked about that. How, how, say, an artist who isn't looking to go the route of an artist rep, like, what are some of the things that you, like, be cautious of or keep in mind or keep at the, the forefront of, you know, that unknown um, industry they're jumping into? I think it's good to just kind of, like, be conscious of what other people in your industry are, like, pricing and what they're doing, too. It, you can just straight up ask people like you know build relationships and talk to people and a lot of the times they'll tell you like this is how i do my invoicing or this is how i structure like the payments that i'm getting and things like that so if you're just like going into it totally blind you could have some people try to like guide you like look for somebody who's like a mentor maybe mm. um i've had people that i've gone to with that stuff early on and they kind of helped guide me through it. You know, like I was telling them when I was first starting out, I was like, oh, I'm charging like $50 for a logo. And they're like, you smack. To, you, you to, like, <laughs> What's wrong with you? Yeah. 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 Like, $50. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, people were like, yeah, we charge like $100 an hour. 
and then some yeah, people charge like thousand an hour. Yeah, yeah, like it's crazy. Like yeah. I be I be telling people, I'm like, once you understand like money, like it's it's, it's vast. Like it's yeah. not just you know nine dollars, ten dollars an hour. Mm-hmm. That's not how people are living out here. Um, no, but and if you could make your clients money, they'll they'll pay too. Exactly, but at the same time, like you were saying, be conscious of what's happening and you know price levels in the industry because this is not. It's not like a um like a grocery store like you know all the oranges are in yeah. non non olives. Um, that wasn't a punt at your you know, <laughs> your. <laughs> um, but you know just like in in design though you're providing not only the the solution for that problem but you're also giving your time and value to that client. So you got to think of all of that when you price. Yeah, and, you got to know your worth. Yeah, sure. um, and that's that's some of the things that you know artists even young old it don't matter don't really kind of pay attention to unless you kind of tapped into the business side of things um but in terms of as an artist designer when did you get that click to to say i got to start paying more attention to like my worth and, and everything else i think it's like once bigger projects started rolling in like i knew that i should be charging more than i was but mm-hmm. like i didn't know quite how much or like it was tougher negotiating with people who had like five people on the other side of the screen as opposed to just like one person running a small business yeah you have a one-on-one with yeah but when they have bosses and their bosses have yep. bosses it's like you know you have to get layers of approval before yeah. you can get to stuff it's it's like yeah. you want somebody else on your team too or at least you know talk to a couple other people that have been in that position before you so you know you're not being taken advantage of yeah yeah, and speaking of those like layers, people recently was working on this project, and like I had to submit proposals um, for the project, and like the proposal got accepted and whatnot, but like it was you know time consuming as every proposal, and we did uh, the first one, and then the second one, same same thing. It was like oh yeah, we the project's much bigger, but you have to submit a proposal, you get it to the team for review, and then uh, we get you on the project. Did the same thing, um, proposal got approved. And we started working on the project. While while I was working on the project, um, like the the manager, like building manager came in. It was like, oh, the owner's actually here. You know, the actual people who you know review the stuff you've been sending them to. And it was like, yeah, you, they're gonna be throughout the building. You want to meet them? I'm like, sure. So like it's like a group of maybe five or so people come, came over. And um, turns out one of them I actually know. Mm. And there was he was like, yo, Manny. I was like. Oh, hi. <laughs> I guess I've been working for you guys um, this whole time. But, you know, just to say, going back to, like, like building our relationships and, and, you know, everything else that people don't necessarily pay attention to, um, that kind of helps put it together. But to the point of I was trying to make of, like, knowing yourself, knowing your value and things like that, I immediately was like, if I had known these were the people I was working with, because I had worked with them before, it's just, you know, in terms of, ownership and how things are structured there are different names and things mm-hmm. so i was like if these were the people i would have been making probably triple what i what this proposal is worth because these yeah. people know my value and you know you know i'm saying they actually know my value of what i'm doing but because it was a it was a new you know like a newer client and all of that you gotta make sure you know the first foot in the get is you know you know suitable for our parties and then yeah, you start yeah. to build upon that. But when I had the moment, I was like, yeah, I actually know the actual owners. 
And, you know, but like just like that knowledge alone was like, you know, getting my brain racing. Um, so in terms of like value and, and knowing who you are and just what you have to offer to the world. I mean, if, if you're creative, I think like creative people look at art as, you know, good or bad because that's how we were, we were, you know, programmed in school. Um, if you're not, you know, doing the Michelangelo <laughs> on the ceiling, then you're worthless. Um, but, and, you know, part of that I feel like, you know, is, is, is the washing of, you know, what is art. You can't really say what is art. Um, but so like Pete, if you go to art, if you go to art school, you grow up saying, I gotta, I gotta, my art gotta be this. It gotta, you know, hit this. And you kind of slowly peel away from who you are. Like we were talking about your interests and how that kind of influenced, um, how you, you know, even like projects necessarily you wouldn't do, but like, because you do other stuff, mm -hmm. it, it helps you get over that and get you to what you want to do. But I feel like with art school, it kind of, in terms of helping a lot of people, it kind of actually push a lot of people away from the, you know, uniqueness about them as a creative. And years later, they try to, you know, unlearn the, not like they unlearn, but saying, oh, I, I this, you know, those brush strokes or maybe the, the Van Gogh swirls that everyone does. Hey, come on. Everyone knows who, everyone knows who that is. Uh, but not like people who, you know, redo it, but just like people who are trying to practice it. And it's just like, um, yeah, you do have to like reset and yeah. find yourself sometimes. Yeah, exactly. Um, and it's like you can uh, almost know too much. Yeah, you can go too far. But like, <laughs> I used to be uh, roommates with this guy who was a guitarist, and he was really good. He knew mm. everything about guitar, but he knew so much that like he couldn't play outside the lines. Basically, right? Know? Like he would just kind of everything yeah. was like kind of like stiff and like it didn't feel it's like it had too like, analytical. Or, yeah, it's yeah. like he was doing it from like this real like mm. I don't know like. like educational side of music it wasn't like he was feeling it yeah you, you I feel get like, that way with art too to yeah people like, like that sterile. make good instructors yeah but yeah i feel like with art that's where art is going but like art is not that yeah and so like a lot of people not like they're like resentful but like a couple years later like oh this is not what i really want to do and try to make that turn away from that but for me that was something where art school i was like like, I had, like, a lot of history classes, a lot of art history classes, and even with those, it's, like, not agreeing with what the teacher's saying, but just memorizing, so I spit it out on the on the final, and, yep. and you know, that's that's that. But um, I just kind of knew, like, it was it was always different, even with lettering, like, we was chatting earlier. Like, no one was teaching me about lettering when I was in school, and I'm sitting there, like, this is yeah, what I'm no trying to do. Yeah, exactly. I'm yeah. like, this is what I'm trying to do, and... You know, everything is based on everything else. So I'm saying, okay, how can I exploit this one thing? And yep. and it's a whole design curriculum and program that's put together that's not helping me do that. And so there was a moment where I was, you know, kind of iffy about the whole college thing. But we, we stuck it out um, and, you know, got the piece of paper that no one asked me about after I graduated. It's kind of like when yeah. you turn 21 and they don't card you. Yep. And you're like, what the hell, man? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'd go to school, but I've never been asked about a degree. You know. Yeah, it was like it's, it's, in our industry, like the work speaks for itself. Whether yeah, or not you have that. Piece of, of course, paper, you don't. Matter. It's not needed. It's yeah. not needed. Um, in terms of maybe if you're trying to go to like, I feel like if you, even if you're trying to work at like Pentagram or, or them big, you know, heads like you. Yeah. In turn, because with them, they might, you know, because they're more like you know suit and tie kind of mm. people. So they like you know on paper, yeah, but like 
they don't really care about it if you're like you know a, a, a dope yeah, artist for sure. um and like I, I get like requests it's not a lot but like i get requests to like speak to like schools and, and i'm like y'all don't really want me to talk to y'all <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you to drop out and then do your own <laughs> the thing. first yeah. word out of my mouth. <laughs> yeah. That's why we in this class. <laughs> um, I feel like it's hard to, you can't like teach raw talent. Like, nah. It's something you either have or you don't. I think like you can teach people software. You can teach people like the business end of things. You could teach them. There is certain like value to it for sure. But like, if you don't, if you don't have it, like it's kind of not going to be drawn out of you in school. I don't no, think. I feel like even as artists, like if I'm chatting with another artist, I'm always ta- asking them about like the formula or like in terms of how they got from A to B, not necessarily how did you figure out your style or how did you do what yeah. you did. It's like, you know, how were you able to, you know, have an idea and, you know, manifest or project or however, and then get to where you going with it. And you know, upscale it in a much bigger, bigger sense. Mm-hmm. So, like, I feel like that's what artists should be focused on. Because you, if you understand that, you could take it and apply it to what you're doing. Because um, a lot of what I'm doing now is the um, foundational things from design that I'm like, okay, since I'm not getting the answers, I could repurpose these. You know, because you know, art, design, lettering, they're all one in the same. And for me, with, with lettering, I had to look at it as art because um, it was like no other way. Because, again, it wasn't like an art class. I had a, I had a t- topography class that was, for me, it was a joke because I had... I didn't even know they still taught it. Yeah, they have a intro to topography, advanced topography class. Um, for me, there are formality because those are one in the same. Um, but, you know, trying to stretch that art budget and have these students... <laughs> Um, you know, and seeing it as an yeah. art is kind of like a new thing too. Yeah, it's, it's it's very it's very new, but at the same time, type not lettering has been around. Mm-hmm. So, like yeah, that's hundreds of years old. Yeah, so like that has always been there, and like this, you know, real documentation and research of you know topography, and it could, yeah. it, it's even like a, its own like art genre, so to speak. Um, but then you got lettering that you know is kind of like a baby in terms of everything else. That really in terms of, I mean, now you have like courses and foundational stuff that breaks down the type and how to go about that. But before then, it wasn't. Not, I remember how I got into it and understand, understood lettering was um, like dissecting Illuminator manuscripts because yeah. those are so dope. Just because yeah. you got, you, it's not like you're thinking about it now. You got to think about it when it was created in the time and yeah. the conditions, mm-hmm. the, you know. The people who were doing it, you gotta think about all of that, and you're like, "Wow, this is this is dope. This is really dope work." Yeah, that you know came out of a comfortable situation for sure. Um, but you know, some people were actually sitting there to actually do it because you know it was a practice and art form and and a very respectable one at, at at well. So, but if you think about it, you're like, "Wow, this is dope." And and when I look at it, I'm like, after all these years, that stood the test of time. So yeah. that's that's what I always try and like pay attention to is like how like how were you able to you know create something that you know throughout all these thousands of years and you know crazy people a lot of people either copying or creating better version of it but it's still it's still there um, yeah. so that's that's why I try to focus on and you know that that meat of the how to um, I feel like a lot of artists could kind of learn a lot from that. 
but um, would you rather speak all languages or be able to speak to animals? I'm going to go with animals. <laughs> I'd rather speak to animals. Yeah. Give up on humans. <laughs> we got translator apps on our phones. We, we can still talk to all people. That is true. Uh, uh, Even I'll though you, we're not going to use those translator apps. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, that makes sense. Um, but why though? Why why all animals? Is there any particular thing you were like, uh, you know, I want to ask? No, it's not that. I just feel like like animals have like no like bad intentions or motives that like most people do. You know, like they... You have a cat? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> cats excluded. Let's cut cats out of the... Yeah. But, yeah. like, my dog, like, my dog loves me no matter what. You know? Like, yeah. I feel like most animals do. And, like, they have just, like, a better nature to them than most people do. <laughs> like, there's lots of good people, but... Yeah. You know. There's a lot of work to get to those good good people. Yeah. Um. But I feel like with cats, they're just salty because they they've been they're around for so so long and they're so close yet they haven't gotten the the they, B, they, they haven't gotten the BFF you. title yet. No, no. So that's why they're like, damn, these dogs. <laughs> no, they're manipulators. So they act like they like you and then let's play second. Trying to get something. You out get of a, you. a paw to the face. <laughs> yep. Oh man. Uh, shout out to all the cats out there. <laughs> oh man but uh never never hear music again or lose your ability to read that's hard mm. I'm, I'm gonna go with lose my ability to read yeah i knew you wasn't touching the music yeah. with those three thousand plus vinyls <laughs> nope <laughs> wow that's a nope. tough one that, that is hard that's, that's a brutal one music music all day then yeah. Well, you got it. You got an artist uh, rap, so yeah. you, you're fine. I need him to just like bring me picture menus from now. On. <laughs> uh, I have picture thirteen. Yep. <laughs> With that drink in. Time uh... to learn some braille, I guess. <laughs> oh man, but that, that's a pretty tough one. Even I ask people that, and I don't have an answer for that. So don't. Last time someone had reversed and switched it up, and I was like, cut. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, but um. Any uh, any countries on your bucket list that you haven't visited yet? Yeah, I haven't traveled outside of the U.S. like mm. much, but I'd really like to go see Japan. Mm. That's that's on that my list. Cool. I, I design and all of that in there is just amazing. Yep, I thought Australia would be pretty pretty cool to see. That just seems like a whole different planet down there. Because <laughs> um, they are. Because if you if you know the history of how they got there. You know how people got to Australia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was first like a prison colony, right? And yeah, it was like, and then they like had... Antarctica type setup where they just ship them and left, and left them there. Yeah, yeah. My wife is huge <laughs> into animals, but that concept is so wild now that you know years later. Yeah, it's like yeah. we're just gonna yeah, just leave them. They'll be fine. Yeah, like, <laughs> they'll, they'll be fine, yeah. or they'll die, or whatever. That's just like weird. It's wild. Yeah. yeah, it's wild. <laughs> yeah, and then on like the architecture subject, like like India, I'd love to go see mm. too. Like their architecture out there is absolutely insane. Yeah. And like Morocco too. Like crazy stuff over there. Yeah. I follow some people who still do like those plaster castings for like all the ornamental walls oh, and stuff. Right. And they just like straight up like will make these things like 
um, like huge, huge panels, like out of plaster that they're like just pouring out of molds and stuff. And they're, I don't know. It looks like like ancient techniques, but because they're still it's, doing it's, it today, it's like just is. the same way. Yeah, it probably is. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, with stuff like that, so like mesmerizing, but at the same time, you can see like the human connection. Yeah. You know, firsthand seeing, and then you see on the, on the, on like yeah. a building or. And they do like every part of it. Yeah. Like they mix their own pigments for colors and everything too. It's not like they just, you know, run yeah. the depot and get yeah, like, it's, it's, like <laughs> I want green tile and this. And, you know, it's like, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's kind of like when I, when I listen to people, I don't really engage, but I listen to people talk about like uh, how the pyramids were built. And I'm like, if you, if you look at the culture, you get, it's easy to kind of figure out how it's built. I don't know how it's built, but you know. Like if you look at it, you'll see that they actually had sense and they actually use their brains, and it's not no alien type stuff. But like it's more that the the sense of like, no, they were really like, intelligent. yeah, like yeah. art historians talk about like the pyramid. How did it get from Egypt to like I think like Mexico, the Aztec? Yeah, like um, all those like, like how, yeah, mines. Like how yeah. how that get there? I'm like. Like people were traveling back then. It's not like yeah. you know the like world didn't exist. Yeah. yeah, people were actually balling, and yeah. you know they didn't need watches. And you know, I'm gonna look at the look at the moon and look at the stars real quick. All right, <laughs> we got some rain coming next week. Let's let's try <laughs> let's try hit up Mexico. <laughs> uh, you know, just being funny, but like that was really how you know things operated, and people didn't understand that like the brain is really uh, crazy crazy mechanism like yeah. you know like we like to think that people like, like thousands of years ago it, were like super primitive but they were brilliant too like really great engineers like um like the babylonian stuff yeah stuff in mexico like the um the chitsun it's a i think is like the huge temple that they have down there uh i don't know yeah. the name but, but uh it's like the architecture of it's just insane yeah there's like architecture again something that I feel like architecture, some people are going to live or occupy it is very, you know, attention to detail. But it's something, again, that always stands the test of time. Mm-hmm. And just, um, just and, and you know, years years later, people always is in awe, not just of how it is, but how it was created. And, and you know, similar to what we were saying about, like, the process, sharing the process of what we do and people being all of, you know, how you got from A to B. Um, but, yeah, for me, with architecture... Um, I was, you know, telling you via email a little bit that um, I actually went to architecture and design high school with uh, Rose over there. Mm. And, um, I mean, I knew right away architecture wasn't for me. It was too much work with the whole, like, eight years. It's a long program. Yeah, I was like, I'm trying to get to this paper. And, yeah. It wasn't what I thought either. Like, I thought <laughs> I could be a draftsman, like, just draw the building oh, and yeah. stuff like that. But you... Just that's like not a job that exists anymore. You need to be like an architectural engineer. Like, mm. yeah, and the whole like math end of it. It's just it kind of. I, I couldn't wrap my head around it. Like I got to like pre calculus and I hit like a wall with math. I wow. was like, so, oh, so you did actually? I, I did one semester up in Boston. I did. So what did happened? How huh. how'd you you failed you, math? <laughs> did, That'll do, do it. <laughs> did, didn't do so good in English. I did good in my drawing class, and my art history class, and all that. But, but that was really it. The building is beautiful, but it's not stable. Yep. <laughs> Nobody go in it. <laughs> oh, man. That's what's up. But like with architecture, it was like, there's in terms of time, it was just too long. But like, as far as, because that's how I was breaking it down as a kid. You know, it's like, you get the numbers, you know, this profession make 40, 50 a year. What, two, 
two, three years or four years of college. Mm-hmm. The next one, you know, post college. That's how I was breaking it down. You know, grad school if it's needed and all of that craziness. So I was like, yeah. By the time you know, I get up there, then eh, I don't know. Then you gotta you know put yourself out there after all these years. If you know, basically what you was talking about, proving mm-hmm. that you could do the work if you don't have that portfolio and getting certifications to actually do the work and all of that. So I was like, that's that's a process. But the main thing was I didn't have the patience for it. You know, yeah. beyond all the other excuses, the patience wasn't there. So that was that was when I knew. But um, going back to your story, though, when was the architecture and graphic design flip? Was was that like a, a you know something that you were conscious of, or was it just like architecture is not it? And I'm gonna no, see I, what's I just out kinda there. I kind of like fell into it. Like in high school, I took those CAD classes. That was like the one elective we had that was on a computer in our school, and you could draw buildings and objects and things like that. It was more like a mechanical engineer kind of mm-hmm. program. But um, after I did the semester of it, uh, my mother had passed away that winter in between semesters. That's 15 years ago. And uh, during that time, my brother was only eight years old. And I was like, kind of want to hang around for my brother because my mother's gone. Yeah. And so I didn't really know what I was going to do. And I was just taking like all random jobs. Like I worked at like a grocery store. I was working like from my... Uh, my friend's father doing construction work. And um, and then I met with some dudes that I went to high school with and they all had bands and they all needed like album art and flyers and stuff. And they're like, mm-hmm. yo, we remember you're real artistic in high school. You want to do this, you want to do that. So I just started doing that work. And then I moved my way into like merch design, doing like their t-shirts and posters for them. And uh, actually like a lot of my first work was doing MySpace layouts for people. Back in the day. <laughs> Wow. It was money to be made in it, though. Wow, MySpace layout. I didn't yeah. think that was a thing. So, like, the IG layout, whatever, that's not new. No, you could, like, totally customize your, your page. Like, mm-hmm. I figured out all sorts of, like, hacks and codes to, like, get rid of the ads on the pages. Oh, and, wow. And make it look like it's, like, their own website, like, mm-hmm. animated stuff. And so that was, like, an early, early part of what I was doing. But after a while, I figured out, like, the lettering is what I like more than any other part of it. And it just kind of gravitated towards that. And maybe it had something to do with like the architecture too, like looking at the old buildings with like the stone lettering and mm. and plus like I said, like I really like graffiti and stuff when I was growing up. So I think that was just like a seed that was kinda like planted in my yeah. head early on. Yeah. Um and so with the with the type, you know, going from architecture, graphic design and then into lettering. Um, somewhere along the lines you was telling me about Carmel. Caramel, is it Carmel? Carmel, yeah. Carmel? Yeah. All right, I messed it, it that was, up uh, totally. <laughs> so it's all good. Most Carmel people type do. We code. even have like a um, like a thing on our FAQ because most people think it's caramel. Because um, my last name is Karn and the other guy's last name was Melton at the time, so mm. it's Carmel. We kind of like got you. put it together. Um, but but yeah, it was a font design site where we were selling our own stuff, and then we started pulling in some other designers. Uh, like Gary Godby was selling stuff with us. He's one of the Disney Imagineers. Like he did. Mm bunch of the windows down in magic kingdom and like rides and stuff like that and then there was uh this guy noel weber he's up in idaho he was selling some fonts with us he's one of the best sign painters in the world probably Mm. and uh another one was jerry berg he was a guy who did like all like hot rods and pinstriping and stuff so we had like this nice diverse kind of set of fonts that we were selling it's awesome and now i'm starting to like branch out and partner up with other sites like i got stuff on retro supply heritage type ephemera fonts Mm. like diversifying your 
your stream of income has been like a, a big thing for me, like all this passive income. Yeah. Like it might only be like $50 a month here, a hundred dollars a month here. But when you have like 10 of those, like piling up, like it starts to add yeah, up, adds up. real money yeah. every month. Um, with uh retro supply co I was thinking about them. Um, like was, was that experience like for you? That was good. I've known that guy, uh, Dustin Lee, who runs retro supply now for like seven, eight years. He's another guy I've met at creative South. Um, and we started out partnering with uh, that, that lettering library business I was telling you about where I sold those PDFs of those books. I sold a big bundle of them. It's 125 books altogether. And uh, so he put it up on his site as like a Black Friday deal for like 50 bucks for all those 125 books. Mm. And that made like a lot of money over a week. We did that um, Christmas through New Year's. And in one week that made $30,000. Wow. From selling PDFs. Which wow! Is, it's no overhead, no product. What? No uh, what would the uh, price per per per? I guess not unit, but like it was, just cost. It was uh, like fifty bucks for the the pack. So gotcha. I forget how many it sold exactly. Like we did it even split. So we this, this is like retro. Yeah. Wow. Yep. Yeah. They they have a pretty good like base. Yeah, as well, that's so. the thing. Is like that was what he was bringing to the table was his yeah. customers. Like he has a mailing list of like 80,000 people or something wow. like that. Wow, that's amazing. And um, unlike social media where you get that, you know, 2% <laughs> yeah. of your followers, when you send an email out, it actually goes to everybody. Yeah. So if you get 1% of 80,000 people, that's what, like 800 people buying your product? Right. That's, that's like some real money in one day. Yeah. But that that's impressive. That's impressive. But like, I feel like if the work intention is right, if the work is right, people always pick it up uh, regardless. I have one last question, but any current project or things you're working on or what's next for Carmel type co and you know, anything else you have upcoming? Yeah. Um, biggest thing right now is the artist representation agency that I work with called Adam Smasher. We've, uh, it was just my best friend and I starting out a couple of years ago and we've recently expanded to have 10 artists on the roster. So we're starting to do like bigger, more collaborative projects that'll mm. be coming out in the future. Uh, a lot of NDAs and things like that that are signed that kind of restricts me from yeah, telling about yeah. it. <laughs> but uh, but it'll be like collaborations with other artists that I've admired for a long time, like awesome. uh, Justin Kamerer, uh, Angry Blue. I don't know if you follow Angry him, Blue. but he's a really great poster artist out of Louisville. Mm, I got to check him out. Uh, I remember that. Lisa Quine, she's been a friend of mine for a long time. She's a mural artist up in Cleveland. Um, my friend Jeremy, he's out of Indiana. Like we've been doing some illustration work together. My friend Roberlin down in Brazil, we've been partnering mm. up on some stuff. So we're starting to get like, like multinational sort of things coming <laughs> together, you know, where people from different countries, different backgrounds and everything all collaborating, wow. which I've been wanting to do for a long time. It's, it's cool to like do your own work, but when you get to actually have some other people coming in with you, it's yeah. really exciting. So. Yeah. I feel like that's where the next wave of, suicide is gone it's just like mixing everything up because mm -hmm. like everything is all mixed up now and and i'm i'm looking forward to seeing all of the what comes to the mixture of collaboration but most importantly looking forward to see how that collaboration come out do you have a a date in mind i know and everything is not solid as of yet but um there's a few things that are going to be coming around like november december mm. so towards the end of the year okay. be a nice way to kind of wrap up 2021 move into the next year and and uh i got like two more fonts planned before the end of the year too so i'm gonna try to drop those but, awesome yeah 
You have a you have a, a name for those those fonts? No working title. <laughs> That's like the last thing I do actually is, is getting the name. One Font. time, uh, I actually named one Roundhouse once, and uh, it was already taken by House Industries. They had like an old font from like 25 years ago, and they wow. emailed me about it. They're like, "Yeah, wow. you need to change that name." Mm-hmm. After I already made all like the promo, <laughs> and, and I had to go fix it back up. So. Townhouse. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, research what you're going to call it before you put it out. Yeah. <laughs> Don't oh, get man. sued. But um, <laughs> I want I want to thank you, Jason, for coming in today and, you know, um, dropping some knowledge and chopping it up and, you know, sharing a little bit about you and the work you do. Um, it is it's good to meet you for the first time in person. Um, yeah, I feel like here. Yeah, I feel like it's weird. I'd be, I'd be like meeting people and I'm like, hmm, I kind of already know you. But yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, also like we were chatting in email. He was like, yeah, it would be nice to have the in-person conversation rather yeah, it's good than to get just, off Zoom yeah. and Skype for once. <laughs> nice. Yeah, it always always is. Um, but you know, again, appreciate you for coming in. Um, yeah, thanks for inviting me. Yeah, one last question though. Uh, before we wrap things up, uh, three lessons um, that you've learned that you feel like younger artists or creatives coming up could you know learn from uh don't talk behind other people's backs in mm-hmm. the industry it'll definitely get back to them and it'll definitely make you look worse than them for sure um i would say always do what you're passionate about it'll show in your work if you're not stick to what you really love to do and uh let's see number three watch bob ross it'll make you feel better <laughs> <laughs> You heard it. Um, don't talk ugly to people in the industry. Do what you love. Stay with your passion. And kick it on the weekends with Bobby. That's, right. That's Bobby Ross. <laughs> Dumb naked and broke. Get out of here. Hi there. I'm Emmanuel Wisdom, host of the Dumb Naked and Broke podcast. I want to thank you for spending time with us today and listening and watching wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, make sure to subscribe, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, and whatever you're listening right now. Thank you. <laughs>